Hey, I'm Samantha Saki from The Self Club. This podcast is a conscious rebellion to shift our mindset, our way of relating, and our educational system from fear towards truth, trust, and love. This new paradigm starts with you. Welcome to this live session called Am I Too Much? on communication, passion, and being a woman. Today in particular, I'm so excited to welcome um, Liz, because Liz is a very special human being um, in my life. And I think she has probably been with me the longest in exploring exploring the self, right? Explore, exploring ourselves, what it means to be us, overcoming the challenges um, to doing what we want to do out in the world. And, um, and we're both passionate women who share a common value, which is communication, right? Which is, well, what we're doing right here. And Liz, I won't say anything about your background per se, but I'll let you introduce yourself into what you do in the world tangibly. I am so honored to be here with you, my dude. Hi, everyone up here on IG Live again. Hello, everyone down here on Zoom. I'm Liz. I'm a communicator, I'm a facilitator, and I'm an entrepreneur. I have a digital media startup named Pulso that dedicates itself to creating history and culture content for people of Latin American descent here in the U.S. And it encompasses a lot of the conversations that I think we're going to have today and also a lot of the things that I identify with like communicating and spreading the many values that I know that Samantha and I are going to talk to here. And it is just so exciting that we're finally formally collaborating. I'm a big fan of the self-love and of Samantha, of course. And it hopefully will feel like the thousands of conversations we've had for the past 15 years. I hope so. Let's let's see if we can. I'm trying to get all this technology stuff out of my head, so I can I can relax into being me and you. And and I really want to bring Liz like that juiciness that we have and that we talk about all the time out, so people can can connect with with. I think there's so much we need to hear um, right now as a society, particularly on communication, the way we communicate and what it means to be a woman. One of the reasons, everyone, that I'm so passionate about this right now is because even if it sounds cliche, I really think the future is female. And there's a big transition that obviously has been happening over the last hundred years, but it's still happening on such a huge level right now. And I think we can all feel it with what's going on in politics, with what's going on, you know, in, in the world, which is bringing in this feminine or yin energy that you might have heard me talk about before of the surrender, of the collaboration instead of the competition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's dive in. And, and I think Liz, let's start with communication. Um, that's one of our highest values. All right. And our top 10 of what drives us through life, right? That's what, that's what values are. The things that are the most important in our hierarchy of things in life. Um, what, what does that look like for you in your life? Well, it's a value because it's 
not only an identity, but it's how I live my life in the world. It's how I think and breathe and live. Communication is just part of me. And one of the things that I love so much about the word is that it quite literally, communication comes from the verb comunicare in Latin, which means to share. And for me, a life not shared is one that's not worth living. And so the very fact that this word and this way of expressing yourself means to be able to express and to share and to build connection. That is why that word and why communication is so important to me. It's just the ethos of human interaction. And it shows up for me in every single part of my life, professional, personal, and personally with myself too, which is very much the conversation that I know we're going to have today. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree and resonate with that too. I think for me, I, I can't not communicate because I feel that there's so much we need to talk about. There's so many ideas that need to be shared back and forth so we can understand each other, find a common ground and find better solutions moving forward. Like, how can I get to know you? right? How can I understand your world? And, and, you know, I'm talking about me and you, but this goes for countries, right? That speak with each other. This goes with couples that are trying to understand each other's world. When you speak with your children, it's communication for me is just like the base of, I'm, this is, sounds very idealistic, but like of a peaceful collaborative world. Yeah. Yeah. A collaborative world. Yeah, totally. And, and what's cool about this concept of communicating is that you do it verbally, you do it with your facial expressions, you do it with your hand movements, you do it with what you don't say, you do it with what you don't share, um, you do it with a look or um, with your demeanor. If I'm such like this, that would be communicating something very differently about my excitement about being here than if I'm like this. So it, it really is um, how you move in the world. And I think that for you and me, as expressive as we both are, it's so difficult for us to understand the barriers that others experience when they're not showing their full range of um, things they want to communicate with all of those different senses and aspects that I just talked about, because it is a way of life, right? As we've been talking about, it's how you understand the world. And I think it's been a, a challenge for both of us to bridge those ways of communicating with other people in our lives that may not use the full range of expression or emotion or may not want to use as many words or communicate about as many things as we want to share um, when we do. So I know that we spend a lot of time unpacking that with ourselves before we take it out to the other people and relationships we have in our life. Yeah, and you know what's interesting that I hadn't really thought about, but it's it's tying into being a woman, right? And using our voices, like to be heard, to to say what we think. Is it are there expectations around what women should communicate or should talk about or should not talk about? You know, is is voicing I think I think women like if I think of like think about our grandmothers right and and their great grandmothers and the about the amount of wisdom that women have always held right that like whether they say it or not the the, the, the matriarchy the, the mom you know there's so much held there yet in the society that you know we've lived in we couldn't always say it especially you know not outside of 
the home, maybe not even to the husband figure, right? And the partner, maybe not even to our children. So there's so many things that I think we have been forced to keep inside. And I think that there's a lot of that that's dying to come out. Yes, not only with the verbal communication, right? But all of the forms of expression that that we have, that we've been not allowing ourselves to, to express because of what people would think, what we should do, what our position, you know, is the expectations that others have or the expectations we think others have, because both can be an issue in, in hindering how we voice ourselves to the world. Have you noticed that in yourself, for example? Yeah, totally. And as you were walking through all those barriers that we either put on ourselves or that have been put on us, I also think it's ironic that we also are the ones that are expected to bring up the tough conversation. It's like typical, right? When your partner's like, oh, we need to have a talk, then you know something's coming, but rarely is your partner the one coming to bring that to light. Or um, we are often the ones prompting these conversations. Um especially I was thinking here in the dynamic of when we're dealing with the opposite sex, but even the fact that we, we are trying to understand and decipher our dynamics at work or decipher with a decipher what is unsaid or needs to be said with other people. Um, it is a tension there between us being expected to take that initiative and all of the centuries of things like you're saying that we haven't said that we've been holding in. Um, I totally have felt that and it goes with the topic that we're also talking about today it leads us to think that we're too much when we have things that are unsaid that we want to share when we've been building up things maybe for a week or a year or a decade and, and we are now I think much more open about talking about it and starting to own the things left unsaid but it's still a process because then goes the the tension of should I say it? Should I not? How do I say it? What are they going to think? Am I going to lose a friend? Am I going to lose a job? Am I going to lose a partner? Am I going to lose an opportunity? Am I going to alienate people because I'm bringing up the, the tough conversations that others are not wanting to? Totally. I feel that all the time. This is, this is, this is awesome because that's the beauty in our case of having communication as one of our highest values, right? Because I'm saying it in the, in the context that one of the things I teach is boundaries and, and one of the live sessions I've done and one of the courses I teach is, should I say what I think? Right. And that's a question I think we've all had, like, should I say what I feel? Should I say what I think? And then, like you said, are the consequences of this worth it? Right. And how do I understand what the consequences of keeping quiet are for the external circumstance, right? For my job, for my boss, but also for myself. How am I going to feel about myself moving forward if I keep quiet? And I think, like at least this is what I feel when I when I have when I I have a values course that you know about. It's one of the workshops that I've done the most, <laughs> and it's great. Everybody should take it. It's so great. Even if you talk about this stuff all the time, you will learn so much. So everyone, take this now. <laughs> so in this values course, the beauty of it is you get that list of top 10 and, you know, in my top three is communication, right? So when I'm going about the world and I'm having exactly the thoughts you said, like, oh my God, should I say this or not? Should I keep quiet or not? 
and I'm having this like itch inside of me and I'm like oh the consequences of saying something could be horrible it could lead to a terrible fight it could lead to a conflict that lasts days weeks maybe years but then I'm like man the communication is one of your highest values we already established that a life where you can't communicate for me it's not a life worth living that's what highest values mean there's double sound yeah look maybe if you mute yourself while i'm talking that's what i've been doing yeah let's see if that helps i think that helps yeah um so yeah a life without communication a life without my highest values that i've identified is not worth living for me right and that's the that's the power of the self awareness and being like okay these are the highest values these are the things that are going to give my life purpose these are the things that are going to make my life make sense and i choose not to live a life that or or i i choose not to let the expectations of others the pressures from others right um stray me from those values that north star. And so that that's what it means for you it means it means showing up and having the conversations nobody wants to have despite how uncomfortable it is. Yeah, amen amen to that. And then there's how to have those conversations which we could probably do a whole other live session about um which is the second part of this. Um but it's difficult. I'll just say that the the reason why it's hard is because so few people are doing it because it's easier to have those conversations with yourself or with your journal or to brush them aside or to keep them in than to bring it to those who you need to have those communications with and I'll keep expanding the notion of of communication it's sometimes it could be sitting in a in a tough silence to make there be a moment to be honored or acknowledged sometimes um I think it could also be a a written manifesto that you just have to get off your chest and you just need to deliver to someone. I think that's a a part of this as well. So totally have to have those tough moments with anyone and anyone, everyone that we feel in ourself, which is what you were just saying that we need to share. Yeah, totally. And you know, on this note, I wanted to bring forward some of the research that I've been doing, particularly when it comes to women, women in these things because I've been I mean, I've always felt myself being a woman, right? A woman like this, you know, a bit of like self-doubt and perfectionism. This is literally the work I've been doing my whole life with myself, right? Is getting over myself, <laughs> like becoming my own best friend instead of being in my way. And and you know, that required obviously identifying all these voices in my head that kept getting in my way. And I started doing research in the past weeks around this, and I started seeing things like um men apply for jobs on average when they meet 60% of uh the criteria for the job when women wait until they meet 100% of the criteria to apply right another thing is um men on average think they deserve promotions much more than women do so they ask for promotions more and they negotiate their salary more than women right and this i think this is very tied to voicing what Of course, I think the first thing here is what you think you believe and your self-worth and how you view yourself. But then there's a second thing of voicing it, right? Like just saying, "Hey, what if because if you do think you deserve something but you're too scared to say it because of the fear of conflict, 
because women also on average care more about what other people think than men. We're more scared to outshine others, right? So that's, that's a classic one. Let me not say my opinion, my strong, passionate opinion, because I'm scared I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intimidate other people or I'm scared I'm going to outshine my colleagues. So let me keep quiet, right? And I'm just talking about patterns that we see in, in, in the world of women, which if you're listening right now and you have ever felt these things, please share and, and let us know because this is what we're talking about here. Um, and, and, and I'm like, when I started looking at this research, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much on this, on how we are choosing to stay small. And, and, and you know, the why of that, obviously we can take a look at centuries and centuries of a role that we have had to have. That, great, maybe it has been useful. I'm not talking, I don't want to judge the past with the eyes of the present, because I think that would not be fair. Yeah, I, I think that we are exactly where we have to be and, and that we can learn from how far we've come. But wow, like it makes sense that we have these voices and this relationship with ourselves that is not in our full expression. And, and I think, well, this is a bit daring what I'm going to say, but I'll say it. I think that, um, I think the feminine in its full expression is so powerful that people don't know what to do with it because it is the force of pure creation. It's a force of creation. And I mean, we can birth life. Like what more can there be? <laughs> and, and, and when we use the feminine in our full force, we are unstoppable. But I don't think it's been in the interest of anyone to teach us how to do that because the people in control might lose control. So I don't know, I don't know what you think about this, but I am interested to hear your um, opinion, Liz, and also you being in the world of politics, how this might, you know, play out or what you see in this, in that world. How much more time do we have? Because there's so much here. Uh, so first, to add to that framing of the past towards the present, you don't oppress anything that you see as inferior to you. And that is a concept that I hope everyone watching and listening can reflect on, especially when it comes to pushing down the feminine. We can think about that for other communities and other peoples throughout history. But when you're a threat, then you're tried to kept you're tried to be stopped or they try to stop you. They being those empower systems that have persisted over many centuries. So if we were not all that which you are saying, Samantha, then we would not be thwarted. And I think that it's not only not in the best interest, but we haven't learned how to do that. So to your same same lens that you're looking at the past for. I have the utmost empathy for our women ancestors who just did not know how to unleash that with themselves. So they did not teach themselves and they could not have taught us. And so that is why we have evolved and are now here able to do it for ourselves and for future generations. So um, as I said, we are where we need to be. And in my case, to do the bridge towards the industries and the spaces that I'm in, I can share that there are also so many stats on why it is so difficult for women in politics to ascend. 
especially here in the context of the U.S., where it is that figurehead that is elected, which is very different from many other systems where there is a parliamentary process. And that's why you see women leaders in places where there's coalitions that rally around women getting to that position of power. Here in the U.S., when you have to elect that one person to lead, it's extremely difficult because as soon as a woman is shown to covet the highest position, she's not trusted. There's something fishy about her, about her. She's too ambitious, which is a word that is looked at as negative unless it's a man. And she has ulterior motives. She is not prepared. Um, even many women don't support candidates because they don't think that it's possible or that she could do a good job, but because we haven't seen her do it yet. And so all the glass ceilings that are being reached by women, again, continuing to talk here in the context of the US when there was the first secretary of state or foreign minister for those in Australia and other places. That was a huge moment that happened about 15, 20 years ago. Now we can imagine a woman in that position. This past week, the first vice president, woman, person, immigrant, human, so many things at the same time just got nominated for one of the two major parties. Another glass ceiling It's going to continue to help us to see women in those roles and not um, shy away from accepting that that's the norm or that it's okay for us to um, not think that those women are too much. It's our own perception of we can't be what we haven't seen that often clouds how we put, I would say, stereotypes or negative personality traits onto women in leadership and women in spaces that are dominated by men that sometimes we as women are also guilty of doing. How, but like, how are we going to trust other women if we don't trust ourselves? You know, there are a lot of like studies and statistics that we tend to trust men in positions of authority more than women, like doctors. Like it's like you have more trust in a man doctor than a woman doctor, right? Than a female doctor. So it's these unconscious biases that are in our head, right? But but it makes sense in just the relationship. You know, I always say the relationship you have with yourself is the relationship, a reflection of the relationship you have with everyone else. So if you don't trust yourself as a woman, you think you are not capable you don't have the right words, you don't have the confidence, you don't say what you think, how are you going to trust other women who might not trust themselves either and who are doubting their own ability, right? And, it's, and I want to bring this to the table because I think it's not a matter of, and, and the studies show, it's not a matter of competence. It's not about, like, women don't know less than men. It's not a matter of you know, competence of IQ of it's not that it's not the intelligence or the knowledge or the results, even it's the confidence and the courage. It's that men debated and fight it and take the risk and go for it, even when they don't know. And if they fail, they fail. But we, oh, God forbid we fail, right? Because then it's a disaster. Because the, the consequences of it are just too big in our own perception and in the eyes of everyone else right so yeah it's 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 tough to to overcome that in the world if we have not healed that relationship with ourselves first is my perception although i think both can be done simultaneously yeah the more we see in the world the more we trust ourselves the more we trust ourselves the more we trust others and women are you know elevated in the world i think it's a very symbiotic relationship 
Yeah. And, and it really is all of the things at the same time. It's also having a space where you can lift other women up because it, it is hard. And so while you work on your internal perception of yourself and kind of boost your own confidence and take away that negative self-talk that is often prohibiting you from aspiring to that, which you want to do, you also need other women to coalesce around helping you push back on the very real consequences that many women will face by being outspoken, by running for office, by working towards that highest position. And, and it's really all three of those things at the same time, championing each other externally or within groups, coaching and giving each other pep talks and helping each other get to that next level. And, and we, we, I think, are focusing a lot on the professional here, but I think it applies to every aspect of your life because it's a, it's a collective force against centuries of patterns like we were talking about a bit ago that really are going to need all of that feminine force together to combat it. Yeah. And, you know, with that, I want to, I want to give an example of that on the personal and professional. Like I think on the personal, it's as simple as a conversation I had a few months ago with a really good friend of mine and she hadn't been exposed really to the topic of boundaries. So I was really, you know, explaining to her like boundaries and how that looks like in personal relationships. And it was as simple as understanding your own personal responsibility and that it is your job to set a boundary when somebody wants to sleep with you when you go on a first date. That simple. Right. And, and, and I think we all know as women, the pressure that there is when you go on a first date in who you should be, right? If you, if you, you know, I'm going to go out and say it, but like, if you sleep with somebody, then you're this, right? You get classified as something. If you don't, you're a prude and you're not open-minded enough, right? Like no matter what you do, there's going to be judgment involved. And so the key is, and this is where the boundaries come in. The point is stop caring so much about how others will judge you and what others will think, because your job is to know yourself and to make the decisions that align with yourself. So if you know what you want and who you are, and you're in touch with your emotions in a situation and you say, well, you know what? If I want to sleep with this person on a first date, I will. And if I don't, I won't, right? And nobody has anything to say about that except me. And I will listen to my body and I'll listen to my emotions and I will make that decision and set the boundaries. And, and then after this conversation, like this friend texted me um, and she's like, wow, I was on this date because we had this conversation in the context of her going on a date. And she's like, she texted me the next day. She's like, I was on this date and I felt this pressure to sleep with this guy. And I went into the bathroom and I thought about everything you said about boundaries. And I was like, wait, no, I can set the boundaries. And I decided that I really didn't want to. And I was just going to do it out of like, you know, not wanting to cause conflict or discomfort. And I decided I really did not want to if I listened to myself and my body and I just told him I wanted to just go home. And I did. And it felt amazing. And for me, that is like the simplest and most beautiful and powerful example of that self-empowerment with yourself. Obviously, taking it to the next level. Do, do you have any, do you have any, I'd love to hear if you have any personal stories that you could share on, on the, in the spaces you've been a lot in, you know, you've done so much fundraising, you've met, you know, people in, in certain positions. And I know it's not easy to be a woman doing what you do. Like, is, is there any stories that you might feel comfortable sharing around that? Yes, I have so many. And I love that example. That's such a great one. That's such a great one. It, it, it's a muscle that 
so that we connect the thread before I share some of, of the many stories I have, but it is as simple as flexing a muscle that seems much more difficult that we that than it is because we haven't used it before. So that example of your friend giving that boundary conversation, I think is great and also applies to so many different aspects of our life. So to my examples. Um, okay, so here's a good one. I was having a conversation with, this is in a work context. So it was around some feedback that we were getting. So 360 feedback, which is feedback, not just on how you are performing the job, but just the overall perception on the personal way in which you do what you do. And this person who was giving me the feedback, who happened to be someone in a human resources setting, told me, hey, you're kind of intimidating. And we've heard from others in the space that you're intimidating. And that word to me is the, the worst word you could possibly tell a woman because it is code for so many other things that are related to the bias that we've been talking about now for the past half hour. And so because I've also read so much about this topic and because I uh, seem to have very little problem in the world with feeling self-assured in most spaces that I'm in, my answer in that space was compared to who? Compared to who? And that's one of those tools in the toolbox that I am so happy I'm able to share here because when we have those responses in our back pocket, those are ways to disarm the person on the other side that really can't tell you compared to who. It's a perception of you because you are a go-getter and you are a person who's doing the thing. And usually, if the person doesn't have an answer to that, there you caught them in the bias. You caught them in that which it's not about you, it's about them. Now, this is not me advocating for you ramming through life, intimidating people. If you are, in fact, a person who has gotten that feedback, especially from people who are your peers or from staff that you manage, please take that super seriously. But in this case, that's why I said it. Um, it was a very particular one where when I asked that question, I got crickets. And then the person kept thinking about it. And the eventual answer was, well, as compared to the CEO of the company. So point is that that was an easy way for me to say, okay, this, this isn't really about me and how I am with the people in my space that matter. This was a moment of bias that I was able to disarm with that thing in my pocket. Um, and in other spaces when, especially, yes, the fundraising space, I'm also in the entrepreneurship space, which is very rare to see a woman founder, especially in a place where you have to pitch your startup and you have to talk about the work that you're doing. Um, we are often scrutinized, other women founders in spaces like the ones that I'm in, you're scrutinized, you're asked 10 more questions than peers that are in that same room that are men. And so what I've done in those spaces is ask why they need to corroborate all the things that they need to do and who else are they asking that from? And so if I'm asked to give a 50-page report on the work that I've been doing for the past month, and I know that a colleague of mine in that same pitch competition or that same fundraising conversation or other people that they're, um, those funders may be talking to, they rarely have an answer for the way in which they're scrutinizing other organizations not led by women. 
And those come that that comes from like you, Samantha, so much research of empowering myself to again have those answers in the back pocket, knowing how to answer back, putting those same boundaries, um, and and just having those responses ready because you don't know what you're going to face, and that's the unfortunate part that we do have to have all of those things kind of ready for us because what's difficult is when we're caught off guard. And I've also been in so many situations where I'm caught off guard because you don't expect to be questioned or to be um, thought of as too much until it actually happens. And so we're often paralyzed because we can't believe that we were just asked that follow-up question or that we were called intimidating or bossy. So I just want to name that that's very real and that that happens. And the more tools in our own toolbox, like I've been saying that we have, I think the easier it'll get to kind of spot when it's not really about you. It's about all this other stuff that women have been baggaged with for so long. Yeah, and it's, it's tough, right? Um, when you are the trigger, right, of somebody else's emotion projection like you being you you asking a question you right talking loudly whatever that might look like and you being you triggers somebody else yeah having it takes so much self-awareness and self-management to keep your cool right to not get triggered in return and make it be a fight and and, and kind of to respond from the ego and i think i mean if you think about any any kind of um oppressed group of people right that have been wanting to rise they're scrutinized more than not so if they do one, they say one thing wrong everyone holds on to that one thing and you see <laughs> so so yeah it is it is part of the tough part uh, part of the job that we have to maybe prepare a little more right we have to have the stats in the back pocket to be able to, you know, demonstrate. Um, yeah, maybe, you but- have to work twice as hard, right? That's that's always the saying. You, you really do have to work twice as hard, not for long and not forever. And it depends on the industry. And that's why we're here creating community so that it doesn't take another five centuries for us to find equity and not be seen as too much. But um, it really, it really is. Um, it really is real. I wanted to share this small story about that um, with regards to my grandmother, actually, because my grandma, my God bless her, she's um, she was born in this tiny town in Mallorca, which you've been to, and um, her father was an entrepreneur. He had like the first car on the island. He ran the electricity for this little. It was like I don't know, five hundred people in the town, and um, she was the small, the youngest of six brothers. And she wasn't allowed as a female of her time to, to study anything, you know, besides music. Like that was the only thing she could study. And besides that, for everything else, she was so outspoken. So for everything, which was very rare for her time, she would be like, why? And why not? And why can he do it? And why can't I? And he would be, and actually my, my mom is very much like that too, where she just like defends the rights of everyone else, you know, and why not? Like, tell me why. Right. And this is almost like a personality trait that you're, you know, almost born with that, that rebel, that not wanting to conform. Right. Um, which is part of that passion. I think that, that maybe we both have like, no, I will not take this for what it is. And I think those are the people that, that help shape a lot of the world for everyone else, you know? Um, 
And so, yeah, she was just like, no, why? And then her father was like, what is it with this woman? Like out of all the men, even nobody questioned him except her. And then the mom who was the most docile, quiet, like my, my great grandmother would be like, where, did, you know, the, the dad would be like, where did this child come from? And then the mom would be like, she's just like you questioning the norm, right? Not taking things for what they are. And it's interesting because that listening to that voice, right? And communicating and not being like, oh yes, this is the way things are at the end is what made her leave her city, go to Venezuela, marry an Italian, right? Like have a job that she never imagined, right? Having a job. When they offered her a job, she's like, what, me? You want to pay me for typing and finding errors in work? <laughs> like she couldn't believe that there was value that was worth money in getting paid for a skill she had, you know? <laughs> and, and it sounds right, like crazier in that, that extreme, but I think that still happens to us today, right? And I think especially people in spaces of coaching and healing, and it's like, what, I'm going to get paid to do this, right? And, and that's where for women, it comes into like, yes, you have a skill and a passion and strengths and talents that are worth money, that are worth people's time. And I, I, I like my grandma's metaphor, because it's like, it's your job either to believe in yourself or do it, even if you don't believe. Because she was like, I, she still didn't believe it, you know? But she didn't turn the down job because of that. She's like, okay, right? Like, what's the worst that can happen? Let's do this, right? And then she was, you know, she had four children. Like, then she was working and getting money and earning, you know, with her husband who was a lawyer. And, and, and wow, right? And it was having the courage to do it, even with the risk and the fears involved that helped shape her own confidence and what she thought she was capable of to, that then led her to actually buying a travel agency, right. With her best friend and then being a business owner. And at, at that time that was quite rare for a woman. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage, you know, in, in doing it, even, even if you're not sure, even if you don't believe just being like, let's go you know, and see and, and hope for the best. Um, yeah, I don't know how this tied in with what we were talking about before, but. <laughs> well, your grandma's amazing. So I'm so happy that you brought her into this this conversation because I also come from a family of matriarchs. And I think that that speaks to how we're formed, even with those barriers. I think they're your inspiration as were was my mom and is my grandmother for me. And I won't go into those stories, but they have a lot of similarities with the, the one that Samantha shared about her grandma and breaking barriers much much before their time, both my mother and my grandmother. And that's all so inspiring. So we, I know I feel a responsibility to keep that legacy going because if they faced all of the barriers that they did for us to be here, then, then we have that responsibility to carry the mantle and to continue to break these barriers and bring other women along with us. I want to share a couple of phrases that's, I, that I thought of for more tools for the toolbox as you were saying what you were sharing. The first is do it scared. Do it scared. Just do it scared. That's that's it, right? That's it. We're going to feel so many things, but that courage of doing it even with all of those feelings is, is going to help take us so far. And another phrase, which is from someone that I know we're both a fan of, Samantha, Michelle Poehler, she says, what's the best that could happen? So it's not just what's the worst that could happen. It's what's the best that could happen. And when we switch our own framework of how we're thinking of those challenges that we're facing to 
say what we haven't said, to aspire for that which we haven't aspired before, to, to break a norm within our family or in our system or in our culture, what is the best that could happen? And that inspiration for ourselves to dream of possibilities, I know will also help take us to all of the next levels that we're all seeking. Yeah, those are really awesome. The, the, the do it scared, the feel the fear and do it anyway, I think is so freaking important. Because a lot of people are waiting for, no, when when I am okay and trust myself and I'm not scared, of that, then I'll take the risk. Then I'll start the brand. Then I'll say what I think. Then I'll ask for the promotion. And that moment might never come. And I think people have waited decades in their life, right? And, and I think there's people that have been on their deathbed, right? Saying, oh my God, like looking back on their life and being like, I wish I didn't overthink this so much. I wish I hadn't doubted myself so much. Yeah. And and another thing I wanted to ask you to talk about is like what we've talked about the likability trap, right? As one of the biggest barriers for women. Um can you tell us about the likability trap and anything else that you see as like the biggest barriers women have today in being their full authentic selves? Yeah, so the likability trap is both a concept and a book, which I highly recommend by a journalist called Alicia Menendez. She spent a lot of time doing research to answer the question of why is it so difficult for women to break all the barriers that we've been talking about here. And it's because there's this trap called the likability trap, which is damned if you do, damned if you don't. Damned if your docile word you used a bit earlier, or if you're um, more on the sweet side, or if you're less outspoken because that just happens to be the personality, then you're overlooked for opportunities that they may give to someone who's more assertive. Damned if you're assertive because then you're called bossy or intimidating or you're not trusted because you're too ambitious. And so she spent a lot of time finding out what it was that was leading to all of that. And it is the perception of what we were talking about earlier of there just being so few women that are modeling leadership as women. And we try often to lead with our masculine in ways that are helping to perpetuate the barriers that are not bringing the rest of the women in. And just by the way, you all should read the book because this is a summary based on my interpretation. So I don't want to put words in Elisa's mouth, but I do think that at the end of the book, she just says, it's a thing. Do whatever you're going to do for yourself because there's going to be a problem with you anyway. That's the conclusion of the book. The book does not give you an answer for how to break the likability trap. What she says is, look, this is a real tension. And so you might as well just go be your freaking self because no matter what you do, there's going to be a problem with how you are as a woman. And so, of course, a lot of the um, suggestions in the book talk about bringing another woman up when you're there, not having that scarcity mentality. If you're especially in like a corporate setting, not thinking that there's only one spot for a woman VP. So when you get there, you have to armor up and not be yourself because if not, you're not going to make it in the boys club. It really is the responsibility of women who ascend in any space to bring other women with them, of course, which I know you and I both care a lot about, Samantha, but also leading with your full self, right? In my case, 
that is something that I tell my team all the time. Like we are here to decolonize the workspace, which is a term I often use, but also be your full self. I'm, I'm going to show up with my pink nails and I'm going to show up with my big earrings because this is who I am. And you should show up with your t-shirt and with however you, you express yourself. And there's no expectation here that you have to turn off anything in yourself to perform in at least my startup and that's one of the ways that I know I can empower the women in, in my space to also do the same if they have children and the, ch the child is crying or if they have to have the child over the screen in this crazy time that we're living not making that not be okay or if there's um, any other characteristic that we may associate with the feminine that women may have turned off in other spaces because if not you would be you would be perceived as incompetent or not likable um stopping those things if we are someone in the position of power to allow for different dynamics that's the whole book in this two minute summary but it's such a a, a great perspective because you know what we should just be ourselves is the conclusion because that's really what's going to help change systems i love that so much because it reminded me first of you know um, a lot of the premises in Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? So even if you read, if you haven't read the book, the short article he has, it's called the same name, The, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's a like five minute article, 10 minutes. And it's like that people who care less about what others think are happier, right? And, and I think that's part of, of the whole women um, shift. How can we change the KPI of our worth? from the external and what others are going to think, right? As a, as, a, as a metric, right? For measuring how cool we are or how amazing or how lovable or how enough, right? To an internal KPI, right? To, and, and yesterday I was talking with, so one of the things I'm gonna talk about in a moment is this program that I'm coming out with that I'm really excited about, about this. And I was talking to one of the coaches that I've been um, creating it with. And we both said that one of the tools we've used our whole lives to become a better version of ourselves was actually, I've, I do it looking at myself in the mirror um, or just in my head. And it's just like, what is the kind of woman I want to be? What kind of woman do I want to be? Right. And I just connect with this. I, and it's not an ideal, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's like, the self I want to be, that I imagine myself becoming, and this woman is is centered, right, and is authentic, and is is wise, and 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 can speak but can keep quiet, and she's not being driven by this ego and competition. She doesn't feel in competition with the world around her, and with the men around her, and with the women women around her. And so when I I when I ask myself that question. What kind of, is this, and especially when I'm acting in a bad way or I'm having a bad attitude, like I used to have terrible attitudes in my relationships, you know, the typical that we might associate with like, like, what's wrong? Nothing, right? And just kind of keeping quiet and not saying what I used to have those when I was younger. And I remember hating it. And I would look at myself and be like, Samantha, is this the kind of woman you want to be? And I would say, no. Okay. So wh what do we do about it right now? Well, the me I want to be would would go out there very, you know, but from a place of peace and calm and, 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 and self-love, especially voice what I feel and why, and, and perhaps ask rather than demand, you know, and, and, and yeah, and it would connect me with that, but it requires me becoming 
my not only best friend, but my best judge. That it's not that the opinion of others is going to determine or have the biggest influence on how I see myself. All right. But th that being said, we know that women tend to be more communal. All right. And more communicative. And we need more of those mirrors and we need to verbalize things and communicate more. Yeah. And see ourselves reflected in others. So knowing that we need that, right? Because it's not like, oh, let's not need that. I only need myself. That's not going to happen, obviously. That's where the second part comes in. And it's like, well, giving, given that other people's opinions influence me, right? How can I surround myself with people that are lifting me up? Right? How can I set boundaries around the people that are not letting me be myself, right? Or, or the people that I feel shut down around? How can I verbalize to them, right? What I need? How can I, how can I help shape the dynamics and how can I surround myself with the people that are going to remind me of the person I want to become? Because as we know, the quote says that I can't remember who said it, the, you, you are the average of the five people that, you know, you hang out with or around you. And, and that is, so true. Well, if I, if I am the average and you're in that average, I must be a really cool person. <laughs> because you're in my average too. <laughs> yeah, and it's what we were talking about earlier, right? That if it's attacking this on all sides so that you are armed with not only the best tools but the best team, but the best team that's on your side to to accompany you while you do the inner work, but to help you see how far you've come and to be a cheerleader for you. I think that is so important. Uh, obviously, as women, we tend to be communal and we tend to cheer on other people, especially if we're women who lead teams, women who lead a venture, women who are thinking about others in the roles that we are taking on who's thinking about us so having a, a group of people that can cheer you on and be there for you one-on-one -on -one as you're thinking about all the other things that you want to accomplish or do for others is so important and i'm so excited for what you're going to share which i think is a little bit more about what's coming yeah one of the because one of the biggest revolutions i've had in the past weeks is around this this is i think one of the reasons we're having this conversation is i never wanted to create things just for women for some reason right it was like no right and, and then i was like what am i doing like women i think the process that i've taken myself through in the past 10 years which happens to be the process that i take most of my cl coaching clients through as well and my friends around me through and like you know I was like I need to do this officially for other women so I I've been putting for the past weeks together this really cool 90-day program for women who feel disempowered and are stuck and and I don't even you know it's funny because I don't even think that this is only for women who are disempowered and are stuck I think this is almost like the base vocabulary and self-awareness that we all need to speak an emotionally intelligent language, you know, because then, and this is what I do. I mean, this is why I love education. This is why I teach, you know, I, I embedded emotional intelligence into the entrepreneurship curriculum, because how can you, you know, be an entrepreneur or have a brand or lead people or work with people if you don't have 
basic vocabulary to express and address your own emotions, right? How If you wake up and you're feeling a certain way and you don't know how to name that, how to feel that, how to work through that, how are you going to take yourself forward to be an entrepreneur? You can't because your emotions will get the best of you, right? If you don't know how to have difficult conversations with tools, with skills, knowing what's what, you're not going to have those conversations, you know? So what I did is a lot of the stuff that I've been teaching in different ways and workshops and courses, I created this like base 90 day program to really change the relationship you have with yourself. And it's about identifying the voices in your head, right? It's about um, taking full responsibility for your own self-esteem, understanding your needs, learning to voice them, learning what boundaries are. And then in the last month, it's really about connecting with that vision, course knowing yourself your values your passions your strengths all of that is the, the baseline of month one but then it's connecting at the end with your vision and committing to that and it doesn't have to be like my vision is to change the world no whatever it is for you and it could be having a simple peaceful life in the countryside with your kids it doesn't matter what it is it just has to be yours all right so so that's that's what i've been doing um and i'm really excited i'll be posting i don't know when maybe like in the next few weeks um, but if anybody, if this resonates with anybody, please reach out, all right, because I'm really excited to to bring this out. And I, I'd love to hear if there's any questions anybody has or any shares um, as we wrap up of a time that you have felt um, too much or not enough, which I think it's always that, <laughs> the dual, not enough, too much um, circle and and if you could take away one thing is what of what we talked about today, can you take home with you to apply so that you're more in that, in that center, right? And those voices that take you to those extremes can start to quiet down. My dear Liz, is there any last words you'd like to share with everyone? All the, the women and the men, because this is both of us, like all of us that have to do the work. Any last word you'd like to, to leave as a reminder? I'm so excited for the program to come out into the world for all the women that are going to feel in community to tackle all these things together. So more steps for you as that comes. And as we ask ourselves, am I too much or not enough? The answer is no, you're not. You are fine as you are. You're fine as you are. You have everything you need as you are. You are enough. And the more we remind ourselves and the people we love and the women we love of this, the more we'll be able to believe it. And on my behalf, I want to tell everyone, please make it your full responsibility to be yourself and bring yourself out into the world. All right. And if not, be with people that will help you do that, all right? Because both of those things are what's going to change the world and create the female future that we desperately need as a society. Liz, thank you so much for being here with me today, for sharing this conversation. I'm going to cry now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Emotional intelligence, but, but thank you for being... Um, Thank you for being one of those women that have like helped lift me up, that has helped um, shape my narrative of what it means to be a woman. And thank you for having the courage to do everything that you do, because I think you're an inspiration 
to all the women and people in the world by, by doing that. It's, it's really beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for being my dearest dude and for inviting me to this space. What an honor to be invited to your live sessions and to have this space with all of the people that tune in for all the beautiful things that you do for all of us. I love you so much. I love and you too. I can't wait for all that's to come and everyone should just go to all the things you're ever doing. Always, <laughs> they always inspire and uplift and teach and give you a laugh too. So hugs from the other side of the world. Thank you, my dude. Thank you, everyone. Big hug. Um, and I'll see you very, very soon and everything that's coming up. Mwah. Good night. Good morning, wherever you are. <laughs> Bye. We can't possibly do this alone. So if you're ready to commit to your growth and inner work, make sure to check out our membership and programs to keep you connected, conscious, and aligned. See you there.